0: I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings with economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects hello this is chad chancellor with next move group before we begin today's podcast if you've been enjoying our podcast series please go over to apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review that'll sure help us out we'd appreciate it a whole lot Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group, We Are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we've got Joey Graves with us. He's the president and CEO of the Troy Area Chamber of Commerce and the Troy Development Council. So, Joey, welcome to our show. I'm excited to be here, Chad. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, sir. So, first, why don't you tell these folks where Troy, Ohio is so they can get an idea of your geography. Well, Troy, Ohio sits about... 30 miles north of
1: Dayton, Ohio, right on Interstate 75. Actually, the interstate bisects our community. Of course, we're close to Dayton, Wright Pat Air Force Base, Wright Brothers in Dayton, Ohio. So we have quite a bit of aerospace here in our community still today. And we are a historic community of about 28,000 people and doing really well. We've been able to traverse the pandemic of 2020 quite well. And uh, we've got some exciting things to uh, work on in the future as well.
0: Boy, that is a great region. I've been up there a lot in Dayton area and all. And uh, actually, one of my favorite Italian restaurants is in Dayton, Ohio. I know you're not quite in Dayton, but if you sell Dayton, you can sell them on Troy. So, that's <laughs> a, But that, that's just a great area all up through there. Well, I know you all last year had a record year, which was really Unbelievable in the pandemic and the project that caught my attention most was your Pella project. I think that was the largest job creation project in Ohio and you won a governor's cup for it. And I know all about Pella because they've got a plant in western Kentucky where I used to live and I've done some work up in Carroll County, Iowa, where they've got an operation there, a heck of a company. So talk about that project. We first completed the RFI in late 2019, met with the Pella officials
1: in December of 2019 and they started out on their own, looking at about 90 communities in the Midwest. And then we kept communication with them. And then it went from 90 to about 27, to 11, to 7, to 3, to 2. And then finally, in July 28th of 2020, they did announce a facility here in Troy, Ohio, in an available building. And it's going to be creating a 428 jobs and it's about a $15 million investment. Very exciting. That was the Pella Project. In addition, in 2018, ConAgra brands, all the Slim Gems are manufactured in Troy, Ohio. Made so a lot of them. If you like Slim Gems or Duke's meat sticks made in Troy, Ohio, they announced in 2018 a $70 million expansion and 50 jobs. Well, that turned into an over $100 million expansion and over 200 jobs during the pandemic. You know, those are two large wins right there for Troy, Ohio.
0: So your Pella project you were competing for all through the pandemic, did they do a lot of site visits or did they do most of it virtually? I think a lot of economic developers would be interested in hearing just how similar was that process to the normal process we all go through or was it vastly different because of the COVID? It was a mix.
1: It was at a time of people really didn't understand what the right decision was. Do we meet in person? Do we meet by Zoom? Do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? All this stuff. So it was actually a kind of a hybrid. We continued to meet in person. We continued to have Zoom meetings, and we were in contact sometimes multiple times a day. I sent information multiple times a day. Talked with all the team. Uh, set up HR interviews with our existing companies. They mel- wanted to meet with five. Two of them could only meet by Zoom. The three other ones were in person. They felt comfortable enough to allow them inside their facilities. So it was just a, a bit of a mix. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we have not been able to officially cut the ribbon for the event or for the project. So we're hoping that 2021, when the Tulips are in bloom because tulips are a thing in Pella, Iowa. Yeah, they have a kind of a, a downtown that's kind of a Denmark kind of look to it. And so we're hoping when the tulips are in bloom, we'll be able to hold ribbon cutting for the project.
0: Awesome. Speaking of Pella and manufacturing, I know Troy's got really a manufacturing heritage there. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? As I said, Slim Jim's one, Conagra
1: Brands, Collins Aerospace is in Troy, Ohio and has been for decades. So pre-pandemic, every second of every day, there's a plane taking off or landing somewhere in the world with wheels and brakes that are manufactured in Troy, Ohio. So as your plane lands and you stop, You need to thank somebody from Troy. (laughs) (laughs) The next flight I have, you'll be on my mind now that you've told me that. So even though the aerospace has taken a hit in 2020, this is the only facility that manufactures wheels and brakes, not only for commercial, but also for military applications as well. So we have Collins Aerospace. We have Clopay Garage Doors. Clopay is the second largest garage door manufacturer in the world. They have a one and a half million square foot facility and they are our largest employer at 1500 people. Hobart. Have you ever watched the food network and you see these big Hobart mixers? Oh yeah. kneading bread or making pie dough or pizza dough or whatever. You know, watch diners drive-ins and dives and you'll see a Hobart mixer. I'm sure Hobart is in Troy, Ohio. And started in Troy, Ohio, and still has a presence today in Troy, Ohio. They are owned by Illinois Tool Works out of Chicago, but they have a welding division, and they also have the food processing equipment group. So they do welding equipment and also manufacture the mixers. They manufacture dishwashers for casinos, cruise ships, the kind of dishwashers that would take up a lot of space. <laughs> Not the dishwashers we have in our home, but institutional dishwashers. It's a small sample
0: of what we have here. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know y'all got a lot of manufacturing. And you mentioned welding, so talk about the Hobart Institute of Welding Technology that y'all have.
1: As you know, in economic development, you try to find something that differentiates your community from the other 20 communities that a project is looking at. And one thing that, differentiates Troy, Ohio from most, is that we have a Hobart Institute of Welding Technology in our community. It was founded in 1930. They graduate about 400 students annually. Students from all over the country travel to Troy, Ohio, and they take either a six-month program or a 10-month program. They rent homes, sometimes in a group, to go to class, They learn all aspects of welding, and then they have a job placement rate of about 100%. So these students are coming out making sometimes six figures when they graduate from welding school. But when I go out and talk to manufacturers that have a welding need, we have an institute
0: that's world-renowned
1: right in our community.
0: Well, I know, you know, with all that manufacturing industry you have, y'all are still looking to grow. And so I know y'all are purchasing property for future growth. So talk a little bit about that. Well, I'm excited about this. When I
1: arrived in Troy, Ohio, my predecessors, nothing against them, but they were concentrating on workforce development, which is an important part of economic development. Don't get me wrong, but I work deals. That's what drives me every day. So... We had a piece of property just south of the Pella facility, 73 acres. That was for sale. There was a project on it with storage units, potential storage unit project. And this 73 acres currently has five megawatts of excess electric capacity. However, in 2022, that site is going to have over 30 megawatts of excess capacity. And I could not live with myself if we put freaking storage units (laughs) it <laughs> will be placed on that 73 acres. So the city of Troy, the Troy development council have never owned industrial property in the history of the city or they are or my organization. And I pulled it together through banks that support Troy development council and then a large loan from the city of Troy. We purchased the property December 29th and we're working with the state of Ohio to get, The land certified through the state of Ohio, going through all that process. Currently, we've been working nonstop since December 29th to get this thing to market. We are going to be putting together some marketing materials, and then they're going to let me loose, and I'm going to go meet with site consultants and sell this property. Awesome. And how big a piece of property is it? It's 73 acres. Awesome. This area of Ohio, it's pretty flat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a, that is a good area. And but fun. it's got massive amounts of gas, going to have 30 megawatts of excess electric capacity, sewer, water, two fiber providers, anything a site needs to have, it has.
0: You know, Joey, I think that's probably a good case study of best practices. I was in a community not long ago, and, and they thought that if a piece of land was less than 200 acres, it wouldn't worth buying for an industrial park. and my advice was you can do a lot of deals on 10 and 15 acres. You know, you might want to start with 50 or 75. And so it sounds like you found a good 73 acre piece of property. So that might be a good, I always try to find lessons. And I think there's often the consultants like to talk about these big mega sites and some small towns can't afford to go out and buy two and 300 acres and develop it at a time. So if you've got a really good 50 or 75 acres, certainly you can put three or four deals on that. And it,
1: right now, it's kind of an odd time because most economic development organizations, I have a lot of risk-adverse bankers on my board. <laughs> and they want to, you know, sell it, sell it, sell it. You know, put a cul-de-sac down the middle of it. And I'm like, oh, right, give me some time to sell to a home-run project. If that does not happen, then we'll consider putting a road down to bisecting right. the property. But, you know, I think this site... And also I've heard from the Dayton Development Coalition, our regional Jobs, Ohio partner, and people from Jobs, Ohio, that this site is positioned and it's located right on 75 as well. You get interstate visibility that this site is one of the better sites in the Dayton region. We just can't hurry ourselves just to pay off the notes. We just can't do it.
0: We're gonna take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank location1.com, some of you know it as Lois, for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best Buildings and Sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my Buildings and Sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what's sense did it make for me to not put my buildings and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my buildings and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to Lois Location1.com. Book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success. Of course, I met you when you were in uh, Tennessee. I believe you were in Dixon, Tennessee, if I remember. Suburb, I was in Nashville area. I was in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Lord, this has been 15 years ago now, Joe, long time. Lawrenceburg wasn't really a suburb of Nashville. It may be now Nashville's grown so far south. But anyway, we weren't too terribly far from each other. So tell these folks your story, how you got into economic development, and then how you ended up in Troy, Ohio.
1: Well, my father was on uh, our local city council in Carrollton, Kentucky. I grew up always wanting to work for government, somehow to contribute to society in some capacity. Well, I graduated from college, geography, political science, and I got married young and dumb at 23. And then I was sold cars. I was selling at a, at a Fords at a dealership in Carrollton, Kentucky. Just so happened that the nephew of the owner of the dealership worked at the Kentucky Cabinet for Economic Development. And they had a position open for a CAD tech map maker. Hmm. And I was a geography major. So it kind of made sense. And it's like, I'm interested in taking that position. So I got hired and started January 2nd of 1995. And that was my first day in economic development. It was 1995. And uh, worked for the state in site development for about five years after Cad Tech that I was promoted. So I worked with uh, city, county, economic development officials in 40 counties in the state of Ohio. And then I was driving 100 miles round trip a day. And then my community came to me and said, Carroll County, Kentucky, said, I said, we'll give you more money, same benefits, and you'll have a two-mile round-trip drive to work every day. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> I worked for my community in Carroll County as a grant writer, economic development, chamber direct, executive director. Love my community, love Carroll County, Kentucky, but I needed something more. I was single after being young and dumb and getting married too young. <laughs> I had no children. And I was like, you know, if I'm ever going to move, if it's ever going to be easy, it's right now. So I took a job with the city of Union, Missouri, just outside of St. Louis, as a director of community development and was there for 10 years. Had the first certified site in the St. Louis area, uh, created uh, probably about 700 jobs in my 10 years in a community of 10,000. I did the master plan for a 44 acre recreational park. I did the comprehensive plan for the city. Pretty much whatever the city administrator did not want to do, it landed on my desk. Then I wanted to grow personally and professionally again, so I went to Dixon, Tennessee, 35 miles west of Nashville, and as the president of the Chamber of Commerce, but also doing economic development for the entire county. And to be quite honest with you, I had, a I guess, a a narcissistic county leader there that I decided I needed to get out of there. <laughs> and uh, the best economic developers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was kind of confusing. I was hired to do economic development, but I literally learned that the county purchased the industrial property in the newspaper. So I was like, mm, I'm done. I got to get out. So I started looking and actually had job offers at the same time, uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, community of Wisconsin and Troy, Ohio. And when I visited Troy, Ohio, it was an easy sale. I mean, it's an absolute beautiful, progressive community. In 2019, we have a $100 million hospital that was constructed downtown. When it could have been constructed at the interstate, they chose to construct downtown. And that right there spoke volumes to me about the pride
0: in this community. Right. Well, you and I have more in common than I realized because I worked in Kentucky and then we got an office in St. Louis. So we do a lot of work around that whole St. Louis there. Carroll County, is that in western Kentucky? I'm trying to remember what part of Kentucky that's in. No, it's halfway between Louisville and Cincinnati on I-71. Okay. Ohio River. Yeah, that's a great location. So you grew up close to Cincinnati, so Troy, Ohio wasn't all that far. No, I was familiar with the area. Yeah, so did you work with Gene Strong? Was that his name? And Gene Strong, Jim Navolio. Jim Navolio, yeah. So, they're legends in Kentucky economically. Oh, yeah. So, you had some tremendous training working under them. When I got to Paducah, Jim was just retired. He actually drove to Paducah. and We went to lunch. He gave me all his advice. But Gene Strong had already retired. But I always heard their names throughout my <laughs> tenure there. So, so you got some great training under them.
1: Well, I will tell you another legend who doesn't receive the attention he deserves is uh, Bob Fouts. He was with the state for quite some time, and then he went to Bullock County just south of Louisville. And uh, he was my boss. He's been my mentor in economic development. He's a wonderful individual.
0: We're gonna take a quick break for a message for our listeners, be right back right after this. In June of 2020, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, and we already have more than 100 economic developers as part of our movement. The movement was really built to help improve the quality of lives of economic developers. It helps economic developers land more deals, helps them get along better with their board and elected officials, helps them deal with the media, even helps them learn how to build their resume if they want to look for a new job. So thank you to our first 100 members. And if you want to join the movement, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more. I tell you what, well, I really enjoyed Kentucky. You know, Louisville's a big city, but other than that, Kentucky is small enough that really everybody can get to know each other. You can get to know the secretary and the governor and, uh, <laughs> you know, as compared to some bigger states where that's just harder to, harder to I'll do. I'll tell you a story about Paul Patton,
1: governor of the state of Kentucky. I'll tell you about his memory. I was just a little peon in the Cabinet for Economic Development, and he came around, introduced himself, and I introduced myself. Well, about six months later, we ran into each other again.
0: That man remembered my name. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> <laughs> he is still kicking, because I saw Chuck Sexton, who runs 1 East Kentucky, had me up for their annual meeting not long ago. Pikeville, right? I yeah, think. yeah. And Chuck had me up for their annual meeting and I sat next to Paul Patton and he is still <laughs> kicking and still after it. And economic development is his passion, especially for East Kentucky. So, yeah. so that's funny that you bring that up. Well, what <laughs> have you learned? And you know, you might've learned one thing how to deal with an elected official you don't care for, but what have you learned <laughs> over these years that you wish you had known when you start? We have a good number of young economic developers listed, maybe project managers are just getting started. So what do you know now that you wish you'd have known way back then that you might could share with them? You have a good gym membership uh, <laughs> to avoid the weight gain and
1: the mental anguish <laughs> that you go through on an almost daily basis. But this career in economic development, I've been doing it for 26 years. I don't imagine myself doing anything else for the rest of my life. I'm 51. It's so gratifying to – know that I've played a part in the helping somebody buy a house or buy a car or send their children to college. You know, I'm part of that. And whether it's bringing in a restaurant or helping a, a small industry buy a CNC machine that can create two jobs. You know, a long time ago, probably in my Economic Development Institute days, one of the instructors, stated that you should treat everybody the same, whether they're a two-person shop or a 500-job employer because that business is that person's dream and that's their baby and it needs to have their respect. I need to pay them that respect. And I've tried to do that all my years in economic development. You know, that's somebody's dream. That's what they've always wanted to do. And if they want to take two and a half hours of my time, I'll give it to them. I'll do the same for the large employers, don't get me wrong, but I know the economic development and site location is mostly about the dollar where they're going to make the most money, the quickest, and all that. I understand that. But in the end, people make those location decisions, and there's got to be a salesmanship to economic development, an art, I guess you would say, over and above making sure that you have water, capacity, sewer capacity, electric excess capacity. So it's really an art, I believe. You know, I've been quite successful. I have over a billion dollars of capital expenditure investment in my communities. I've created about 6,000 jobs.
0: So I've been
1: quite successful with
0: that formula, I guess. Boy, your advice about small businesses is so true. And I know now we're coming out of this pandemic, but as a small business owner, I understand exactly what you mean. I mean, you run your dream. And I was told my brother this weekend, and I said, You know, the beauty of being a small business owner is it gives you flexibility. I took off Friday for Good Friday, and he and I went to the baseball game. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, it gives you the flexibility to do this. I said, But the bad side is you really never get off. If this phone oh. rings with a crisis, one of my customers, I got to handle it at the baseball. You know, you, you can't ever. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. It, uh, small business, it's all your hopes and dreams. And those first few years are so hard. So we had a record year last year, much like your community. So we can't say at all that the pandemic hurt us. If anything, it probably helped us on the revenue side. But I have so much empathy for these restaurant owners and these small business owners who were shut down because it is so much your life and your dreams and a lot of businesses planning and forecasting problems coming. And nobody could have possibly seen that coming. Yeah. And then they were all shut down, and so I think you sitting and talking with them now is probably more important than ever. Because sometimes they just need somebody to listen to them. And I had a lot of businesses that just, when the government ruled that they were, I think the word was non-essential, and maybe they were from a security standpoint, but when a person invests all their life savings in something, and, and yep. especially a restaurant, they get in there at five in the morning to cook breakfast and stay there till midnight, and you tell them they're non-essential, that's like a slap in the face. And so I think your attitude. An approach many economic developers might could learn from. You know, along those same lines is that
1: I was reading last year, in the last March, April, I saw these larger communities, the Detroits, the Seattles, the Denvers, had established grant programs for restaurants, small business owners. And they were more CDBG money, so they had stipulations tied to them. So I didn't want to do that. So the Detroit Development Council, Chamber of Commerce, Troy Main Street, the city of Troy. We pulled together some money, about $115,000. And we have gone through two loan cycles. We have given out about $150,000 in this small community to those small business owners to keep their doors open, to pay rent, to pay utilities, continue to pay people on the payroll, you know, we were one of the first smaller communities in the country to do this. I'm very proud of that. And as soon as we launched it, we had phone calls from Kentucky. We had phone calls from Indiana. We had phone calls from Tennessee. We had phone calls from Missouri. How'd you do this? How'd you do it? And it was my pleasure to share with them exactly our formula of what we we're trying to do. And it's been
0: copied numerous times. And I'm very proud of that. Well, as we wind down, what really motivates you all these years later? Is it the thrill of the win, winning the deal? Or is it going to Walmart and seeing folks, you know, got a mortgage (laughs) on those hard days? What is it that when you get out of bed, gets you going? Those hard days, what
1: gets me out of bed is that I could not dream of a more satisfying career. And if I can make a difference in one person each day, that's enough for me whether it's a small business owner if it's saying hello to the person who invested their life savings in opening a small butcher shop in our downtown. If I can put a smile on his face and let him know that I care,
0: hey, it's all good. All right. Well, thank you, Joey. Anything else you want to share with our listeners before we conclude? Well, I just want to invite anybody
1: listening, if they ever find themselves in the Dayton area, and want to see a truly beautiful, progressive community, to give me a call, email me, call me, I'd be more than happy to give you a chauffeur tour. We have a lot to offer here in Troy,
0: so I'm very proud of it. I'm not from here, but I'm extremely proud of this community. And we'll link your website into our email, but in case somebody's hearing this, you know we have subscribers that go straight to Apple so they don't see our email. Give them your website so they know where to find you. TroyEconomicDevelopment.com. All right. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Chad. I appreciate
1: it.